what's up everyone welcome to the pod my name is Paige and I'm Emily and I'm Paul's shredded clothing and I'm Jacob's single white tennis shoe and you're listening to Tuesdays are for Twilight what's up what's new um today it was under 50 degrees it was pretty chilly I don't know how it was where you live but where I live it was extremely overcast the whole day and it was cold. So you know what that means. Had to break out my favorite sweater. Uh, leggings, obviously. Because it's my day off. So I'm not going to wear pants with a button. Um, I have two candles lit in my room right now. I got my... I'm washing my sheets. Because I know I'm going to be deep under my covers tonight. So I want them to be fresh. It It's just a good day. I love cold weather. I know. I was thinking about changing out. I still have my summer like comforter on. And I have a down one for the rest of the year and I'm like I'm gonna put it on tonight and I might watch Hocus Pocus that is literally perfect I love that for you thank you there is if any of our listeners live in Denver there is a pop-up Halloween bar um if you know where this is in Larimer Square it's really fucking cool so you should check it out it's (laughs) they used the spirit Halloween logo which I know is copyright infringement I do not know how they're getting away with it but they are I mean, if it's a pop-up bar, they're not going to be there for a long time. So you may as well risk it for the biscuit. True. It was very cool. They were playing Hocus Pocus on the projector. They have spooky drinks. I wanted to steal every last one of their decorations, but I didn't. I think there is a horror, like a year-long Halloween slash horror movie theme bar in Denver as well. And I really want to go to it. It looks awesome. I'm trying to think of what it's called, but I don't know. I've just seen like... BuzzFeed videos about it and like TikToks about it because it seems super spooky. Yeah, I have seen that too. Also, can't remember what it's called. Let's go together. I feel like we can't go in October because I'm sure it's bustling. Yeah, also, that's all the fake only Halloween during October people. I am Halloween 365. I will go in February. I bought a dress with bats on it to wear at any time. I'm going to a wedding in November, and I think that that's the dress I'm going to wear because I don't know what to wear to weddings. (laughs) I'm so dead. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Um, What else is new? We got a nice email from a listener named Courtney over the weekend. Thanks for that, Courtney. It was lovely. I, um, I read it at work while I was on break, and it was... So nice to read in such a horrible place. Not the funeral home at Chipotle. I I would love to read at the funeral home too. But when I say horrible place, I mean Chipotle. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, as a reminder, when you guys are hearing this, it will be, let's see. Okay, yeah. So not this weekend when you're hearing it, but next weekend, the 30th, we're going to be doing our patrons and donors Netflix party to watch the first movie. Um, Paige and I are actually going to be together, but we're going to be on separate computers (laughs) typing in what we think. So we hope that you'll be able to join us. We are going to do it at 4 p.m. Mountain Time. And again, if that's going to be a huge conflict for a lot of people, we can talk about rescheduling it. But that's what we're planning for. So just keep us posted on what you guys think. Yes. All right. So we read two chapters in New Moon this week. Chapter 13, Killer, and Chapter 14, Family. What did you think of these chapters, Paige? 
Okay, have you seen those memes where it's like explain something to someone with no context? I've seen a couple Twilight themed ones where it's like explain Twilight in four pictures with no context. And it's like the color blue, a car, you know, like stuff like that. So if I had to describe these two chapters to someone with no context, it would be one, Bella Honey, and two, Exploding. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I just, the Bella Honey thing irritated me so much, and Jacob says it like three times. I'm like, when when did this become a thing? Why are we saying that now? And two... I just felt like exploding. I know what Stephanie was getting at, but it just seemed like the wrong word to use. And I couldn't stop thinking about them just like, you know, like literally blowing up. Yeah, I relate to that heavily because I recently, eh, it was like a few months ago now, but I watched this movie on Amazon Prime that I think was adapted from a book, but it was called Spontaneous. It was pretty good. Um, I would recommend it, but it is pretty violent. So if you're not into that kind of thing, maybe don't. But it had Catherine Langford, who's like 13 Reasons Why chick. And then um, the main guy from Looking for Alaska. So And I love him. So I was like, that's why I watched it. But the whole concept of it was that all of a sudden, people just in this one high school class just randomly start exploding, like literally exploding. And so that's what I what I mean when I say it's pretty violent. But then when I was reading this, I was like, also thinking about that, I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, I hate a lot of the special effects on Teen Wolf because they're corny as fuck. But I have to say, like, kind of how they, like, dealt with the transformations where they would, like, kind of turn their heads and it would, like, kind of be more wolf every time they would turn their head it made way more sense in this shit. Yeah, I'm... In my mind, how I viewed it was almost like like a caterpillar or a like a butterfly emerging from a cocoon, but vi- more violent. But then I'm like, is their skin just like chilling on the ground? You know, like I don't know. <laughs> also, that though that was a joke, the joke part. I was so enthralled. This is what I've been waiting for in New Moon. Is like new characters, new information. We're getting the backstory. We're getting the lore. We're getting more of the supernatural side. Because really, at before this, it's just been building up regular human stuff. You know, the reason I'm reading Twilight is give me that supernatural. Finally, we're there. We're getting. We're getting to the interesting part, and. We meet Paul, who Jem Jem is telling us, at least telling me, Paul's a good guy. I don't know. Maybe he's obnoxious, but we'll see. I don't know yet. He seemed he seemed he's interesting. I want to know more about Jared. I feel like I haven't heard much about Jared yet. We'll probably get more in the future. But I am the most excited for Emily. She captivated me. I love her. I want to know more about her. And I don't want to put myself out on a limb like I did with Laurent, where I was like, he's my favorite character. But I'm really excited to learn more about Emily. She seems great. Yeah, yeah. Totally understand that. It is cool to meet all these these new people. And finally, yeah, you're right. It feels like we're finally getting to like the plot. <laughs> Um, yes, I have some thoughts about Emily, too, but we'll get to those when we get to them. So, 
let's get gotten. The last chapter left off with Bella, you know, trying to decide if she was going to go warn Jacob about the hunting parties. Um, because at this point, she is still under the impression that they that the werewolves are the ones killing all these hikers who have been going missing. Which, in hindsight, I'm like, are you stupid? <laughs> I... I also wanted to mention that I was right in my prediction that I didn't think that it was the werewolves. I thought it was something else. Um, because I feel the same way. Are you stupid? It, you know, Laurent literally just tried to kill you. You know that there's vampires around literally hunting you. Why? Clearly they don't care. They're not vegetarians. Why would they not kill people? Totally, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so Bella obviously, of course, decides to go up and warn Jacob. <clears throat> the very first sentence of this chapter is, if it was anyone but Jacob, I thought to myself. And I'm like, I don't know if that's true, sister. Because you give this exception to a lot of people. And I'm going to get into that a little later on, too, because she makes who remarks that I'm like, you need to go to jail. <laughs> if it was Mike Newton, she wouldn't say anything. For sure she wouldn't say anything. So annoying. Okay. So she basically says that she can't condone them killing people, but she still feels like she has to warn them about the hunting party. So this this girl storms into Billy Black's house, who's just trying to have a nice morning, hasn't even gotten into his wheelchair yet, and she starts just yelling at people. And she's like, where's Jacob? He's fucking sleeping. So she goes in there and she sees that he's sleeping as Belly, B Belly, <laughs> as Billy had said that he would be. And then all of a sudden she's not mad anymore. So she doesn't wake him up. Here's what I'm thinking. Um, is he, wait, before I, before I ask, is he just, is he in his underwear or is he wearing pants? It says that all he's wearing are sweatpants, cut off sweatpants. Okay. That's, I knew it was something hot, but I couldn't put my finger on it. If I walked in and my crush back, okay, he's been looking really angry the past I've seen him, not what I know him as. He's, his face is now relaxed back to the, the crush that I know and love. And he's asleep wearing sweatpants. All my anger is gone. I have other things in my mind. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Kate. This is a Mormon book. <laughs> Speaking of which, I actually, that just rewoke something in my head that I meant to bring up like four episodes ago. So my old roommate, Millie, has been watching both Twilight and Teen Wolf simultaneously because it's just the mood that she's in. And she sent me a Snapchat where she was like, watching this as an adult, it's pretty clear that this was written by a Mormon or at least someone very heavy into Christianity because you're telling me that there's all these hot, 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 immortal vampires and they're somehow all monogamous. Like you've got all the time in the world and you're just going to be with the same person forever. There's, you got so many options. You know, she, her, the whole point was brought up because she was like, I can't stop thinking about hot, evil Dakota Fanning, which 
I don't know who that is. I mean, I know who Dakota Fanning is, but I don't know who she is at all in the books. But I was like, yeah, that's a valid point. Like, you got options, girl or guy. You know, you don't got to be monogamous if you don't want to. Yeah, that's true. I never really thought about that. I mean, we briefly met Tanya in Midnight Sun, who it was clear had kind of had some conquests. So I guess there's that. But you're right. It's very rare in this book series. Yeah, just something to, just something to think about. Yeah, food for thought. So after Bella stumbles upon Jacob sleeping, she tells Billy that she'll be down at the beach um, and she would like Jacob to come talk to her when he wakes up. So she goes down there and she goes and sits on a driftwood tree that's very similar to the one that they sat on, um, you know, back when they first met and he was telling her about the werewolves and the vampires. And here is jail remark number one on page 304. I'll just read it. Seeing Jacob like that, innocent and vulnerable in sleep, had stolen all my revulsion, dissolved all my anger. I still couldn't turn a blind eye to what was happening, like Billy seemed to, but I couldn't condemn Jacob for it either. Love didn't work that way, I decided. Once you cared about a person, it was impossible to be logical about them anymore. Jacob was my friend whether he killed people or not, and I didn't know what I was going to do about that. No! No! That's not how love works, actually. If you care about someone that's killing people, guess what? Don't care about them anymore. That's not okay. It, I 100% agree. When I read that, all I could think of is, like, the spouses of, like, murderers that back them up and stand by them through the whole thing. Like, they are... It's so hard to comprehend how you can support someone through that. I, I I can't understand it. Like, she's very young, and I can see not thinking this completely through all the way, but still, it's inappropriate. It is inappropriate. And yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking of, too. For some reason, Ted Bundy came to mind, which wasn't a good example, because his like on again off again girlfriend did not know what he was up to but i'm just like how do you sleep at night you don't you have nightmares every single night and you wake up screaming in the morning Ugh, true <laughs> so as she's sitting there thinking these fucking insane thoughts jacob shows up and i just want to say like can you imagine overhearing this ensuing conversation like you're just you're walking your dog on the beach in early morning you love to do your early morning jog on the beach and you fucking over here well i'm so sorry that i can't be the right kind of monster for you bella i guess i'm just not as great as a bloodsucker am i i'd be like literally what the fuck is going on it definitely strikes me as angsty teenagers, like hot topic teenagers. This would, th- it would be like, you know, like role playing in my mind. I still would be like, what am I overhearing? I feel like I shouldn't be in this conversation right now. It makes me think of, this is, this is actually real. This did happen to me. I was, um, I think I was in a class or like a meeting or something. Whatever it was got out early. It was while I was in college. And on this particular campus, there's like a big plaza space. 
And the class where I was in opens, the building opens up directly into the plaza. And so we got out early, so it was a an off time. So there wasn't really anyone around. Um, so I could just walk freely, whatever. And I could hear everything that was going on. If it was busy, you know, there'd be so many people, I wouldn't be able to hear anything. But I'm just walking, and all of a sudden, from the right, I hear a guy yelling, like, Samantha, please, Samantha, listen to me. And Samantha is fast walking towards like towards me ish like she's gonna go in front of me and there's a guy running up to catch up with her and he grabs her arm and he's like Samantha don't do this and she grabs her arm away and she's like it's over Mike and storms off and he goes Samantha and they just keep going I don't know if those were their names I don't remember but that was the conversation that I watched and I was like I am in this couple's breakup right now I am part of the story, and I feel like I shouldn't be here. God, I was going to say, I'm sad that you're not sure if that was their names, because I was going to say, of course, his fucking name was Mike. But, Jesus, that's so messy. I I hear you're, you were part of that, that couple's breakup and raise you. One time, <laughs> I was eating breakfast in the cafe in college, and so at my college... We also had an attached seminary, which is where um, men go to become priests. And so they would they were in some of our classes, but they mostly did their own thing. But obviously they used like the same dining halls. And one time I overheard they were being so loud and I was at the table next to them and I was there first and they picked that table. I overheard a seminary student, we used to call them SEMS, and a female discussing how they were madly in love and wanted to hook up but they couldn't because he was becoming a priest and I was like it is seven o'clock in the morning on a Wednesday I cannot handle this right now my mouth is wide open that is tantalizing (laughs) I was so uncomfortable Man, I really hope that guy did not become a priest because that just sounds like a bummer. Yeah, it sounds like it's not what he wanted with his life, but whatever. This was a test. God is testing him. <laughs> and he failed. <laughs> that was so mean. He he I hope he picked the path that was right for him. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> what were we talking about? Um, it was, oh, it was, if you were on the beach listening to this conversation. Yes. So basically this conversation is like a mockery because they are just arguing because Bella hasn't realized yet that they're not killing people. So when she finally does come to that realization, they're like, oh, best friends forever again. And then everything's fine. Um, and then Bella has a realization about four to seven minutes later that she doesn't actually know who's killing the hikers that she thought her best friend was killing. Of course it's Victoria, which we all realized 12 pages ago, but she has a minor freak out. She throws up, she gets really faint. And then she tells Jacob, you know, the sitch, cause he doesn't know these people from Adam. So He's like, oh, okay, I understand, but we have to tell Sam. 
Um, so anyways, so she explains that whole thing to him. And then I was kind of trying to lead you in this direction when he said that in the last chapter that it wasn't safe for him to be in her room, that it was really because, like, he can get... I'm struggling with my words. He says that there's more than one reason I'm not supposed to be around you, Bella. I wasn't supposed to tell you our secret for one thing, but the other part is that it's not safe for you. If I get too mad, too upset, you might get hurt. And I just want to talk about this because it is the second most problematic. Well, I don't even think you could rate, rate them, but it's one of two problematic things in this chapter because I think it's really inappropriate and revolting that Stephanie Meyer has, in, in a sense, basically tied being a Quileute in this universe that she's created, which, by the way, Quileutes are real people, to being a werewolf, okay? And that transformation is inherently tied to anger. So it's perpetuating the stereotype of indigenous people being violent, being angry, being quote-unquote uncivilized or unable to control themselves and that's not okay i i didn't even really think about that when this part really it confused me a little bit because leading up to this point jacob is not an angry person he is he is constantly being described as really good spirited like bella describes him as a son and she's going around him his warmth his energy she's taking all that in and then suddenly now he's so angry all the time and like it just it seemed very bizarre to me that this was a con like why this was even a thing because it just it seemed like a very stark difference in Jacob's character that was, it, it seemed forced to me. Like, I didn't understand why there needed to even be an emotional part to it tied to Jacob. Like, sh it could be its own thing. Like, yeah, if your emotions get too crazy one way or the other, you can turn into a wolf. But now suddenly Jacob's so angry all the time and he, you know, he has to control himself, this and that. And you saying that, like, locked the explanation into place for me. Because that narrative had to be painted in some way. It had to be fit in some way. And that's why it seems forced to me, because Stephanie literally forced it in. Yeah. I know I'm constantly bringing up Teen Wolf, and it definitely has its own problematic elements. But their transformations in that show are sometimes because of anger, but they can also be, like Paige mentioned, because of any heightened emotion. Like... Loki, when they're horny, they turn into wolves. And so it's just, like, not as problematic, in my opinion. And also, Teen Wolf is not using a real indigenous tribe. Yeah, to me, the, the reason that I said that, because I'm thinking of Raven from Teen Titans. She is, like, a half-demon, basically. And if she lets her emotions get out of hand in any way, she can unleash the her, like, demon father inside of her, basically. And so she's very deadpan in the show. She's very unemotional because she has to keep her emotions, whether that be anger, sadness, or joy under wraps to keep everyone else safe, basically. So, like, it could have been anything like that, you know? Like, it could have been any emotion, you know? Any kind of heightened sense could 
could set off the wolf isms, but no, it has to be something violent. It has to be anger. Revolting. Also, Jacob says something that is so idiotic that I have no choice but to call it out. So Bella is basically explaining the Victoria situation, and she says that Victoria wants to kill Bella because she thinks that she's Edward's mate. But Bella says she didn't know, still doesn't know, I guess, that 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 things aren't like that with us anymore, not for Edward anyways. And Jacob says, is that what happened? Why the Cullens left? No, they're still together, Edward. She's just been hanging out with you nonstop. But th yeah, they're still together. What the? What are you talking about? It's like, it, I, I feel like he just wanted the validation. He wanted to hear it come out of her mouth so that his feelings can be justified. Like, you're not together? I want to hear you say it so that I know I know for sure you guys aren't you guys aren't together. That's what happened. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So at this point, Jacob kind of runs away to call a meeting, in his words. And we find out that that's because when they're in their wolf form, they can hear each other's thoughts. What did you think about that? I thought it was it, it's interesting and also it makes sense. Like for a supernatural pack, it, you know, it would make sense, you know, like a pack, I feel like does have similar um, things that are pushing them, you know, similar goals, you know, they work together to achieve the same thing. But to add a little supernatural thing on top of it, also, we can hear each other's thoughts. It adds to that, like, team work and that loyalty and that brotherhood. I think it, it makes sense in, in the lore of it, I would say. Yeah, I think it's cool, too. Um, I think it's a cool concept. I guess I'll give her that. I would I would feel very anxious. Like, do you ever, like, have, like, a really crazy thought? And then you're like, if if anyone here can read minds, do something right now to see if anyone read your mind to hear your thought. Like, I think so many wacky kooky things all the time, un, unprovoked, my brain just thinks them, that if I had four other people who are my close friends hearing those things, I'd be like, disregard my, my 80th time I've thought about chicken nuggets today. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I don't do that specifically, but then I'm like, sometimes I'll have those thoughts and I'm like, well, I'm glad no one <laughs> heard that, you know. Yeah, me neither. I don't I don't think anything too crazy. That's for sure. <laughs> um similar question to what I just asked you. Shortly after he explains about them being able to read each other's minds, he talks about like the what does he call it? Later on, Embry calls it the injunction. But basically Jacob explains it as saying, Sam told me I couldn't tell you. He's the head of the pack, you know, he's the alpha. When he tells us to do something or not to do something, when he really means it, well, we can't just ignore him. Um, and that's what, Bella says that's why it looks like he was choking on something the night before. What did you think about that? It it opened up more questions for me. Like, you know, just a regular promise, like, hey, we're not going to talk about this you know, let's just not talk about it. I feel like it would be very, not necessarily very easy, 
but I could see people slipping up on that. So I feel like to me, it, it made me wonder, is there something more like in the fact that there's a specific word? I don't even know what the word injunction means, to be quite honest. The fact that it had a very specific name and that it's really holding their tongues. I feel like there has to be something more to it that we're going to learn about. Yeah, yeah, that is correct. But at this point, I think you should just understand that, like, there's no way for them to get around it. Yeah. Yeah. And like when everyone seems to be a little confused as to how Bella now knows. And I think it's Embry is the one who's like, oh, yeah, I mean, I guess that would do it. You know, like everyone seems a little confused as to how Bella found out. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Jacob talks briefly about how horrible the transformation was for him, but it was how it was much, much worse for Sam because when he transformed, the other wolves were automatically in his head, like telling him what was going on, which I think would be terrifying, but Sam was the first one. And so he had to kind of do it all on his own, um, which does make me feel for Sam. Yeah. And then they are basically going to drive and go see the others so that Bella can kind of give them the intel on the Victoria and Laurent situation. And Jacob has the audacity to be like, do you ever think maybe you're better off without your boyfriend, your ex-boyfriend? <laughs> like, why? What was the reason? And Bella says, please, Jacob, can we please not talk about this? I can't stand it. It's very 16-year-old energy. It is, but it's like, we got bigger fish to fry right now, dude. Why are we talking about this? He just, you know, I can totally picture, like, my, I say my high school boyfriend. I didn't have a high school boyfriend, but my hypothetical high school boyfriend would want to one-up my ex anytime. Any opportunity, he had to be the better man, you know? <laughs> Jesus. So anyways, that chapter ends with them heading off to meet the others. Well, they actually get there and then they get out of the truck. And Jacob says, here we go. Do you have anything from that chapter that we skipped? I just kind of wanted to bring up the amount of parallels that the Quileute supernatural side and the vampire supernatural side also have in common. And so this chapter in general having a lot of parallels when ben when Bella was finding out about Edward's family and vampirism in general. So first off, we have the meadow, which I which I mentioned earlier to me is like a supernatural location. It's where she finds out like all the details about being a vampire. She associates it with Edward, you know, it's all about him. This location is the exact same thing but Jacob themed, you know, it's this beautiful location that I feel like in her mind, she associates it with Edward because that's where she like first learned, like they could be vampires, but really this is like a Jacob location. And it's where Jacob is kind of like coming clean about his side of things too, in a kind of a roundabout way, you know, we kind of get the truth in this location. And in my mind, when she was there, when she first got there, I immediately knew that some kind of some kind of interaction was going to happen with Belle and Jacob. I knew it, and it did happen. So now this location, supernatural, but werewolf-themed. 
and then we get Sam, who is, first of all, we find out the transformation very painful, just like vampirism. And Sam had to go through everything by himself. And Jacob's heart really goes out to him. Wow, that must have been so hard, so brave. Like, he's really, he's really someone to look up to. Almost, it reminds me so much of Carlisle. Carlisle was by himself. He had to go through and teach himself everything. He was obviously very scared. And Edward and the, all of the Collins really look up to Carlisle because he seems like he's a beacon for the family. He's like the the person that created them all and is sort of the head of the household, I guess. And I don't know. I just like, when I read that thing about Sam, I was like, this is like almost identical to Carlisle's thing. And it just, you know, there's so much contention between the werewolves and the vampires. But I'm reading these things. I'm like, there's a lot of similarities between you guys. And like, they hate each other. But it seems like you kind of are experiencing different or experiencing similar struggles. Like Edward always feeling disgusted about the monster he is. Jacob is now talking about that he, he feels kind of, he doesn't really like it as much because in this chapter he's talking about like Bella's must be disgusted with how much of a like of the fact that I'm a werewolf I just there just seemed like there were a lot of similarities I don't know if you had the same um interpretation or if you picked up on that at all I did not because literally when I'm reading it's like no thoughts head empty I'm like what should I write <laughs> but that is very astute observation of you or on your part. And yeah, I really like that. It kind of makes me feel like, is it intentional or was Stephanie Meyer just kind of like almost repeating herself or was she, you know, like was she doing it on purpose or what? Mm -hmm. I, I like to think that it was intentional because it was, it was subtle in a way. I feel like I picked up on it because I've, I'm looking for things to pick up on. But I mean, I could see her also not realizing and kind of just repeating the same story again, just with a new flavor. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's interesting, though. Thanks for pointing that out. So then we move into chapter 14 and um, the other wolves show up and Bella says that they remind her of brothers because they move kind of like in synchronization and they just seem to be like really connected and as soon as they see that Bella's there, they get instantly mad. Um, Sam says, what have you done, Jacob? And then one that we realize is later, Paul, just flies off the handle. Um, so I know we kind of already mentioned him, but, like, did you have first impressions of Paul when you read this? My mind just associates him with high emotions, I guess. Like, I feel like he looks down on Jacob I probably because Jacob is the newest and the youngest va or vampire lol the youngest werewolf so I feel like he has an air of superiority um and I feel like I feel like he's very like this is a closed club you cannot tell people about it like I I just get this air of superiority from him that and I mean, maybe I was just geared to kind of think that way because you described him as obnoxious, but I'm I'm excited to see more. <laughs> That's fair. And I think you should give him a fair shake. Um, as we talked about earlier, Jen loves him. So maybe you'll like him. Who knows? In all fairness, I mean, clearly this injunction is very serious. 
And if someone were to break that, I feel like I would be upset too, you know? Like, everyone kind of is a little shocked and surprised. Even Sam is like, what have you done? So I think it's kind of fair for Paul to be like, hey, you had one job and it was to not tell someone and that you didn't do it. Yeah, because if you think about it, I'm sure that they have people in their lives that they would love to tell why they're like acting so insane and like not sleeping, not home at night, blah, 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 whatever. And yeah. But they can't because they've been told not to share this information. And now Jacob shows up with his fucking girlfriend. <laughs> I'd be pissed too. Yeah, that's 100% true. So Paul does some yelling at Jacob. He says, why can't you just follow the rules? What the hell are you thinking? Is she more important than everything, than the whole tribe, than the people getting killed? And Jacob tries to say that Bella can help. And then when Jacob steps in front of Bella to protect her, that is the last straw for Paul. So he transforms into a wolf. His clothes explode, as we already talked about. And then Jacob does the same thing. And they're kind of just like, kind of just like snapping at each other's necks and stuff. And then they run into the woods. I I guess I just haven't seen enough dogs fight like i i picture like really like going for it you know like i if two wolves slash dogs are fighting i'm picturing them you know like trying to kill one another you know trying to make some fatal blows are they trying to do that because like it's your friend you know it's your brother you really trying to kill him right now I mean, I don't think that they are. Jared and Embry are very clearly not worried about the situation at all. Like, they seem to think that it's kind of just a pissing contest a little bit. Yeah. So I think that's part of it. Yeah. And also we come to find out that they can heal pretty well. So I guess if they did get injured, it wouldn't be an issue. Right. So Sam goes after them into the woods and... As he's leaving, he tells Jared and Embry to take Bella to Emily's. And we don't yet know who that is, but we find out soon, obviously, that she's Sam's fiance. Um, so it's funny. I just love Jared and Embry's energy in this section because they're just, like, goofing around. They're betting on stuff, like, whether or not Bella's going to throw up. It's just funny to me. They're very, like, just homey energy, you know? Homey energy and... This whole, I feel like leading up to this chapter, there hasn't really been a refreshing break from things. Like, it's been kind of like sadness, anger, sadness, sadness, crying in bed, uh, nightmares. Um, So having like a nice comedic break from the action, I think is a nice breath of fresh air. Yeah, I agree. It was so, like, needed. It was about 300. This is happening really on page 328. It was about 300 pages too late. I'll give you the first 28 pages, and then you gotta have some fun. Yeah, I mean, when when Jacob and Bella are chilling, building the motorcycle, that was really nice. But that was about the last time it was really nice. When Bella started riding, doing things to injure herself, in order to get more hallucinations, that's where I feel like things took a turn. I agree. <laughs> okay, so they're driving to um, Sam's fiance's house, 
And Embry tells Bella that they'll meet, well, Sam, Paul, and Jacob will meet them there. And that's when they, as Paige mentioned earlier, that's when Embry asks Bella how she got past the injunction. And she explains that she guessed, right? Which I guess maybe Jacob hasn't told them that, like, he told her way back when. Or maybe they know and they're just, like, not connecting it to that. And now we should talk about Emily. So there's a long description of this cute, it, like, to me, it's a cottage. Like, that's kind of what I picture of her house. Because, like, it's old, but there's, like, these flowers. And then um, Embry has told Bella beforehand not to stare. And she doesn't really understand that remark. But then when she meets Emily, I will read the description. A young woman with satiny copper skin and long, straight, crow black hair was standing at the counter by the sink, popping big muffins out of a tin and placing them on a paper plate. For one second, I thought the reason Embry had told me not to stare was because the girl was so beautiful. And then she asked, you guys hungry, in a melodic voice, and she turned to face us full on, a smile on half her face. The right side of her face was scarred from hairline to chin by three thick red lines, livid in color, though they were long healed. One line pulled down the corner of her dark, almond-shaped right eye, another twisted the right side of her mouth into a permanent grimace. Before I share my thoughts, do you have thoughts around this page? Um, I mean, I have a thought that I feel like kind of painted my opinion of Emily, and it's kind of embarrassing. But I think I've mentioned this before on the pod, but I was a huge Warrior Cats fan in middle school and high school, and my favorite cat was named Brightheart. And her backstory is as a kitten, she was attacked by wolves and half of her face got mauled, basically. And she was really self-conscious about it. And everyone kind of shunned her, I guess, for a long time because they felt awkward around her. But then one other cat in the clan, like, refused to let the other cats do that and, you know, ended up being her mate and she ended up being a really great warrior because it was like, oh, she can't be a warrior. She's has an injury, but then she defies all odds and is really awesome. And I always really loved her and her story. So I feel like and it reminded me of this. So I feel like I was geared to like her because of warrior cats. Okay, I like that. That's that's a positive association. I stand by it. Um, this was obviously the second problematic thing that I needed to talk about in the section that we read. I mean, the cold hard facts here are that Indigenous women represent the highest statistic of people affected by domestic violence. So this was completely unnecessary. And not only was it unnecessary, it was extremely prejudiced and fucked up. Um, because then you you see Sam as like this person who snapped. And to me, putting a supernatural frame on it doesn't make it any better. And the words that Bella uses to describe Emily are are pro- like prove that point that it's really, really disgusting because for example, she calls her once beautiful. Then later on, she references her ruined mouth. And not only is that extremely racist, because of the data, but it's also extremely offensive to all domestic violence victims. Like, 
telling someone that they're ruined. Yeah, I don't think I need to like really elaborate on that. I 100% agree. The thing that stood out to me in this section, aside from the fact that Emily seems like such a warm and caring person, is the language that's used. Because before Bella sees her, she has nothing but good things to say. And now after she she sees her, the language is so horrible. When the ruined mouth thing, that like made me stop reading. I was like, what a, what an insensitive thing to say about someone who, like you said, suffered from being attacked by their spouse or their significant other. What a horrible, horrible thing to say to someone who had no control over that situation. And I like, I feel like it tainted everything else about the chapter. That's all I could think about after that. Yeah, I completely agree. And if anyone out there that is listening has experienced domestic violence or domestic abuse, um, I just want you to know that you're not ruined, you're not broken, and it's not your fault. And there's resources out there. And, you know, we'd be happy. I mean, obviously, Paige and I are not experts in that, but we'd be happy to talk to you about it. And I'm sorry that this is how this is being portrayed. And obviously, I'm sorry for the racism as well, because that's not okay. Agreed. Yeah. Um, I, a lot of the things that Stephanie brings to the table in regards to the Quileutes, it just, it really makes me wonder how this book was interpreted when it, well, these books came out when they came out, how they were interpreted by Indigenous people, because it seems like they've been pretty freaking negative. And I feel like it got such hype to it, while also simultaneously belittling an entire group of people. Yes, and I'm glad you bring that up, because we're going to talk about this later. But next week, we're taking a break from the story itself and reading some articles about how this series has affected the Quileute people. And so I think that you'll get a little bit of perspective into that. Yeah, I, I'm i excited to read the articles, but it, 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 I'm just picturing, you know, someone who maybe even Quileute, but just Indigenous in general, reading this, reading these horrible adjectives, horrible language, lack of understanding, ignorance, and then seeing the worldwide popularity and acceptance and love and being like, are we not going to talk about how fucked up this is for me and for everyone else in my community? Right. Right. Um, it reminds me of this Ted talk that is done by, and I know I'm going to butcher her name, but it's Chimimanda Ngozi Adichie. She is famous for being sampled on a Beyonce song and she's a feminist and a speaker, but she has this TED talk about like the danger of a single story and like how when she was growing up, I believe it was in Nigeria, she like believed this thing about like, she just uses like trivial examples like boarding schools or, or things like that because, you know, she never knew any different. And so in the books that she read, she thought that white people were this type of way or whatever it might be and so I feel like Stephanie Meyer suffers from that because she didn't 
you know, she couldn't be bothered to do any research or any like cultural sensitivity training or anything. She just character like her her indigenous characters are caricatures of what I guess they were in her brain. And the danger of that is that she now has perpetuated that because she wrote this best-selling book series that was read by people of all ages. And so obviously our little podcast is not going to be able to like, you know, undo any of that. But I hope that if you're reading along and you, and you haven't really thought about these things that, that maybe you'll, you'll look at it with a different lens. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, this is my first read through and I had questions going into this and I feel like it's been really helpful reading this with another person because, you know, I had my own questions, but you're bringing interesting things up. Like earlier when you brought up tying anger and violence in with the transformations of the Quileute people and how fucked up that is and how racist it is. I like, I hadn't even thought about that until you brought it up and it's, completely true and something that needs to be mentioned and so having conversations with other people who are fans who can ask questions that you didn't think of and I mean we'll try and be those people obviously we're doing that right now but having people to discuss things with I think is really helpful and yeah I think I'm I'm glad that the reading of these books I think we mentioned this like literally in the introduction that we're not going to sweep things under the rug that we're going to hold a critical lens to the book and address the issues that are here and that negatively affect people. And I'm really glad that we're doing that. Me too. And please, we welcome you. If you're a listener, I mean, obviously any listeners are welcome to, to let us know their thoughts on, on this or, or other things we may not be thinking about. Um, but if we have any indigenous listeners out, out there or in, listeners of color, like we would love to share your thoughts if you're comfortable um, with us reading them on the podcast, because obviously we come from a place of privilege, too. So our, our perspective is limited in that way as well. Absolutely. With all that being said, um, Emily is kind of introduced as this warm, loving character. And there's an interesting dichotomy with the whole domestic violence thing because it's very clear that her, what her and Sam have is is next level. Bella tries to say, you know, or she does say that like she's having trouble being around it because they're so clearly like just soulmates and so in love. And so it's like, you know, making her miss Edward and um, yeah, and she's just cooking this meal the whole time. And so she has like almost a motherly sort of feel to her. And then Jacob and Paul and Sam obviously show back up and Jacob did leave a scratch on Paul's arm. So Embry gets more money for his bet. Um, and that's when Jacob explains that they heal very fast. Then they have kind of the strategic conversation with, um, you know, Bella, well, Jacob is basically filling them in on what Bella told him. And so I'm kind of like, see, she didn't need to be there, but <laughs> whatever. Um, and then um, Embry makes a remark because they're talking about how they want to split up so that they can kind of keep patrol over Bella and Forks. And Embry makes this remark. He says, Quill's got to be close to joining us. Then we'll be able to split evenly. And everybody gets really sad about that. Sorry, Mila wants her dinner. So then 
you know, they're making this plan to have Bella and Charlie spend as much time as possible in La Push. And Jacob, or sorry, Sam warns Bella, you know, like, you saw this afternoon how things can get out of hand. So, like, it's your choice if you want to be here. Like, that is a risk as well. And Bella says that, you know, she will take that risk. And then she says, you'll be careful, right? And all the guys laugh at her. But Emily has a kind of a moment. I think this is like a bonding moment for them. Um, it says, the boys burst into loud hoots of amusement. Everyone laughed at me except Emily. She met my eyes and I could suddenly see the symmetry underlying her deformity. Awful word to use. Her face was still beautiful and alive with a concern even more fierce than mine. I had to look away before the love behind that concern could start me aching again. So anyways, the day kind of speeds up after this. And, you know, she spends it at Billy's house. Jacob has to keep going in and out to, like, check on things, turn into a wolf real quick. Charlie comes up and they eat pizza. And then he's obviously sus about what happens. And they talk about it later. Um, I feel like I've been talking forever. Do you have anything you want to say? I'm sorry. I This is not really that important, but I'm glad that you said that he was sus. How is Charlie so wary and suspicious of Jacob, who he's literally known probably Jacob's entire life and is literally his best friend's son, but Edward Cullen can literally be around when Bella falls through a fucking window and he's like, okay with it. Yeah, Edward can come over, whatever. We can hang out, whatever. It's fine. Like, I feel like if I were Charlie, I would be more suspicious of Edward than I would be of Jacob. I feel like he is continually like super wary of Jacob through this whole book. Why? I don't know. I don't think he's Edward's biggest fan either. Like, I think the reason he came around after the falling, quote unquote, falling through a window thing was because Carlisle saved Bella's life. And so I think he kind of felt like he had to be nice to the Collins. But with Jacob, I mean, I'm not excusing it, but I think, you know, literally last night, Bella came home and was like dead inside saying that Jacob couldn't be her friend anymore and like woke up screaming. You know, it's just like this it's a lot to handle. I guess. I just of the two, and I mean I have so much more information on everything than Charlie does. So I can make a more judgmental opinion. But if I had to pick between the two, I would trust Jacob more. Yeah, no, I agree. And I almost wonder if it's almost an unconscious thing on Charlie's part because he has gone to bat for the Collins in this town because, you know, people like Billy, for good reason, have been like, don't trust them. They're evil or whatever, you know, he may have said to Charlie about it. And Charlie, you know, defended them. We remember that from the first book. So I don't know if maybe that's part of it too, but... Yeah, I guess that's fair. And also, like, after kind of talking it out loud, maybe if I were a parent, I would be more suspicious and wary of my child's second boyfriend after the first one sent them into a five-month-long depression. Yeah. 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 I mean, Edward's not around to, like, compare how he would treat him now, so. Yeah, that's true. But I agree with you. It is, he's pretty hard on Jacob. So they go home 
And Charlie confronts Bella. He says, I thought Jacob was part of a gang and you two were fighting. We made up. And the gang? I don't know. Who can understand teenage boys? They're a mystery. But I met Sam Neely and his fiance, Emily. They seemed pretty nice to me. Must have all been a misunderstanding. So Bella goes to bed and finds, for some reason, finds it necessary to once again say that she would date a murderer. I will go ahead and read this as well. I thought about what Jacob had said earlier this morning about hypocrisy. I thought about that for a long time. I didn't like to think that I was a hypocrite, only what was the point of lying to myself? I curled into a tight ball. No, Edward wasn't a killer. Even in his darker past, he'd never been a murderer of innocence, at least. What if he had been? What if, during the time that I'd known him, he'd been just like any other vampire? What if people had been disappearing from the woods just like now? Would that have kept me away from him? I shook my head sadly. Love is irrational, I reminded myself. The more you love someone, the less sense anything made. I can't yell about this anymore, but it's like, that's not love. I'm also going to offer a counter argument. I would say, the like, if you're in a healthy relationship, the more you love someone, I feel like the easier and clearer things are, personally. Like, I feel like, you know, I love Danny a lot, and I feel like, this is the easiest and clearest relationship I've ever had. You know, I, he hasn't murdered anyone as far as I know. And I, I think that that's okay. That's, that was a dumb sentence. Obviously it's great that he hasn't murdered anyone, but still all I'm saying is, is like love shouldn't make you stupid or alter your judgment. Like I, it doesn't make sense to me. So true, bestie. Also, in my opinion, and this is maybe like my type three slash Capricorn speaking, but it's like, if you really love someone, you're always wanting to make them into the best version of themselves. Like, not make them, but you're you're trying to support them in the ways that you can contribute to that work, right? And you're not just writing off them murdering people. Like, that's just not, that's just not it. Yeah, I I imagine the people who, like, so let's just, I'm trying to think of a good example of, like, I feel like it's very common where the man in a relationship is a murderer and the wife slash girlfriend stands by them. I feel like that's what you hear all the time. I'm just picturing the man is in jail. The girl has been on the news that no, my husband would never do that kind of stuff. I stand by him. I believe him a hundred percent. How do like how do your coworkers what like like you have to exist now in the real world as a a person like going to the grocery store, going to work? I feel like that's gonna change your life. Why would you, I? I just can't wrap my head around it. Me neither, buddy. Me neither. I'm so tired of Bella Swan. <laughs> Anyways, the last paragraph of this chapter is Bella dreaming that she is standing in the woods with Emily as we faced into the shadows and waited anxiously for our werewolves to come home. Did you have anything from this chapter that we didn't talk about? I just had a singular question slash thought okay so 
I am assuming, I don't know for sure, but I'm assuming that everyone in this pack and Billy, I don't know if Billy is able to transform or not, but I'm assuming that most of the people who are involved with the werewolf side of things know that Bella is aware of vampires. Like, I feel like they know. Because uh, even, is it is it Paul that calls her, like, the, the blood sucker lover or something like that? The leech lover, that's what he says. Um, they know that she's associated with them. So I guess my question is, like, why wouldn't they exploit that? Like, if they're so contentious and they hate the vampire so much, why wouldn't they ask Jacob? Like, I feel like it would be beneficial for them, for her to know, and then use her information. I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, maybe they think that she could go traitor on them. I, I you know, because like, even Jacob is like, Laurent wasn't your friend, was he? Because we killed him. You know what I mean? Like, maybe they just don't trust her. Yeah, maybe. I just, like, when when they were all shocked that Bella found out about the werewolf thing and that Jacob is telling them all this information, they're like, oh, great, now we can make a plan. It's like, did none of you think of that, like, before this? Because I kind of thought about that. Like, Bella could definitely help in this situation. She knows a lot. But, I mean, that's just me. Again, I am I am living that dramatic irony life. I got all this information that the characters characters don't have. So I I am speaking from a place as an observer that I that the characters don't have access to this information. But it was just a thought that I had. Yeah, no, I agree. It 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 smacks of a plot hole, but whatever. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time. And it certainly won't be the last. So for next week, we're going to be reading, and Paige, I will send you these links. Um, But it's safe for our listeners to Google them, because if they come across a spoiler, it's probably no big deal. But we are going to be reading, um, there's a website called Truth vs. Twilight that I've brought up several times before. So go to that, and we're going to be reading the homepage. And then there's, it's divided into sections. So we're going to be reading the whole Quileute section, which has three parts. And then we're also going to be reading this article called How Twilight Affected the Real Quileute Tribe. And what we'll do is when we post this episode um, that we just currently made, we will put it in our link tree that's on all of our social medias. Um, and then we can, we can post it with the episode too. But um, it'll be in there for, for anyone to go read it if they would like to follow along. So that's what we'll be doing next week. I do believe it's your week to do the socials, my friend. All right, peeps, we have been getting some great stuff and I'll say it all. I've said it once. I'll say it again. Keep on sending it. Jem, thank you for all the gifts. I love seeing the live tweet gifts. They really make my day. So if you want to live tweet us some some gifts, some memes, you can find us on Twitter at Taft Pod. If you'd like to reach out on other social medias, you can follow us on Instagram or Tumblr at Tuesdays are for Twilight. You can reach out on Gmail if you want to send some lengthy information, some not pictures, but words. We love that. Um, You can email us at TuesdaysAreForTwilight at gmail.com. If you'd like to become a patron and get access to that live Netflix party viewing of Twilight, you can donate to our Patreon at Patreon.com slash TuesdaysAreForTwilight. 
and you also get access to that and also know that you're supporting an awesome cause and a worthy cause for supporting the Quileutes in their efforts to move their cultural ground to somewhere safer. And you can find out more about that and donate at www.mthg.org. Lovely. Thank you. Um, what do you got for us this week for our closer? Don't be afraid to try something new. I, I've really been going out of my comfort zones at like restaurants and like video games and stuff. I don't know. I just, I feel like I'm exploring new things and just don't be afraid to spread your wings and fly. <laughs> I love that. All right. We'll see you all next week for a discussion on how Twilight affected the Quileute tribe. Bye guys. Bye. Our amazing intro and outro music was performed by Danny Plowman and produced by Alberto Beltran. You can follow Danny at Danimal6, and that's six the word, not six the number, Danimal6 underscore on Instagram.